Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven. to the Life and Rhythm podcast, and I'm with my friends Aaron and Tana Maleske in Maleske. <laughs> Maleske. I tried to say that, I think, in an Irish you know, we get a lot of accent. I don't know what just happened. Uh, but uh, yeah. they're my friends. They're in Northern Ireland right now, so it's like afternoon their time, morning time here in Arizona. And so how are you all doing today? We're doing good, Matt. It's awesome to hear your voice. You too, buddy. Well, we're going to dive right in to this conversation around what is the church and what is the church for. But before we do that, could you give us a brief introduction on who in the world are the Moleskis? What kind of people are they? Why are you in Northern Ireland? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, we are, we are, we are an interesting people. <laughs> we are very interesting people. No. Yes, you are. Uh, we, we are a family of four. We are a family of four. Tan and I have been married for 21 years and we've got uh, a son, 18 years old and a daughter who is 15 years old and um, they're awesome. And, you know, we've been in ministry um, in some sort of fashion our, our whole life and, and, um, and never really honestly, Matt, saw us ourselves going internationally yeah. or ending up being quote unquote missionaries. But yet, uh, I think the Lord just captured our hearts, um, to a greater degree than ever before. You know, we've walked with Jesus our, our whole lives essentially, but then in 2011, he just did something and he, and he mm-hmm. made us start burning like we'd never burned for him before. And out of that just became a, a, a yes and a prayer. So God, we'll do whatever you want. Yeah. To do. And, wow. And then in 2016, he called us to the nations. And so yeah. here we are. So yeah. we're, we're yes people. At least we try. We're to yes people. <laughs> Tana, wasn't there, a, if I'm remembering correctly, wasn't there a Psalm 2 moment? The Lord is speaking to you through Psalm 2. What was that? Tell us about that. Yeah, that was when we were leading a team of Americans here um, for one of the organizations we used to work for in the States. Mm-hmm. We were leading them on a team here in 2016. And just as part of the trip, we just naturally went to, hey, let's learn to listen to the Lord's voice and hear what he's saying. And so then one of the students was like, well, what's he saying to you? And I was like, I had enough. (laughs) So so I went back and I'm like, Jesus, what are you up to? What do you want to talk about? And he said, ask me for the nations. And I knew that was Psalm 2. And so I was like, okay, I'll ask you for the nations. And he interrupted me and he's like, no, 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 ask for you. And um, Mm. when we were just every time we're here, we just felt resonance with this land and with these people. And so I was like, okay, I'll ask for Northern Ireland. So um, really cut my long story short. At the end of that week, we had to go to a different church with our team because of transportation issues. We weren't supposed to be at the church. We went into the church and the pastor was like, everybody opened a song. Come on. And so it just was. Yeah. yeah, and then we sang Psalm 2, and 
a lot of just Holy Spirit connection at that point. Yeah. And then we were like, whoa, what the heck? <laughs> I think we're moving countries and that's scary. Yeah. And that is scary. Yeah. You just made me think of that, uh, <laughs> that passage, you know, in Revelation 2, where it says anyone with ears must uh, listen and hear what the Spirit is saying yeah. to the churches. Yeah. To everyone who is victorious, yeah. I will yeah. give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. And, uh, and that's, that's really what our conversation is going to be around today on the podcast is, um, when you, when you're listening to the spirit and what he is saying about what is the church, right? So how would you describe it to somebody on the streets in Northern Ireland? They came up to you, Tana or Aaron and said, I've heard about this thing, the church, uh, I've seen some really old relics some buildings. Is that what it is? Is that the church? What is the church? And how would you, how would you describe that? Mm. Man, that's really good, Matt, because I wasn't even thinking about it in context of how would I say it to someone on the street? <laughs> um, but that's really good. Uh, um, you know, I think in our context, like you noted, you know, there's a lot of really cool, beautiful buildings um, that are, that are, that are remnants of powerful um, people of God and, and moves of God and move of God's spirits. I mean, just right up the road here, there's a church. Of course it wasn't the original, but it's on the land where St. Patrick first, his first church that he ever planted in Ireland is just right up the road here. And so, but, but, but a lot of these churches and cathedrals are, are empty, you know? And so to your point, yeah, of course the church isn't brick and mortar, I think the oversimplistic answer, of course, is, is or part of the answer is, you know, the, the church, you know, we are the people. Uh, we are the people of God. And, and, um, and, and a, a, an opportunity to be not only in relationship with God, but with each other is, is really just that foundational element of what the church is. And so, yeah. you know, and, and that's, it's, that's a critical, that's a critical um Point, especially for people here, because there's been a lot of hurt uh, here. There's actually been a lot of killing here. There's been a lot of terrorism wow. here in the name of God and in the name of the church. And so, I mean, again, it's it, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, m- most of our conversation would probably be around who's Jesus before we get to the church. But yeah, it's it's a it's an important topic, I guess, for all of us to to consider. I don't know what would you what would you say. If somebody were to ask me, well, yeah, I think like, like Aaron was saying in our context where we are, we would have to probably start with who Jesus is because they're so, uh, the general populace here would be so jaded with the idea of the church because they do see it as a one side of a war, Mm -hmm. uh, versus another side and they're both messed up. So, um, we just have to come to a different context of reintroducing the person of Jesus, not the idea of religion being church being jesus um yeah go ahead. And, but see that's the really fun part because what we're seeing is people when you strip all of that down and you, you even remove some of the practical elements of that connectivity to what church was or their definition of church and you go man this is about the presence of god yeah. in and amongst his people mm-hmm. yeah and you see there there's such a relational culture anyways you see the church coming alive in the simple raw 
authentic relationships mm. with the Lord and with each other. So it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, because the church has been confused with religion here. Like yes. it's almost like synonymous here. And so we're in the process of just breaking apart. The church is not religion and Jesus is not religion. Wow. So, so yeah. yeah, exactly that. That's uh that's an interesting concept and we've been asking this question this whole season and uh, we've never had that perspective in terms of um, in trying to describe the church maybe the best place to start isn't with the with the church but with the person of Jesus and his relationship to the church and in that last episode um, yeah. in the episode before that we've talked about that, you know, the original word for church being ecclesia, being the called out ones that were being called out, um, that even in the naming of the church, it's as if Jesus is saying, you're not approaching me. You're not self-identifying as the church. I am the one who's identifying you. I'm the one initiating. Absolutely. I'm the one who's the, I'm the head of the body of Christ and I am the bridegroom and you are the bride. It's like every, uh, you know, even the house image of the church, like you're being built on a foundation of Jesus. And, um, you know, one of the, yeah. one of the descriptions yeah. we've used is that the church is meant to be an extended spiritual family. Uh, but we should probably, now that you're saying all this, uh, you're convicting me cause I'm thinking, should probably always reference Jesus in defining who we are. That seems to be pretty wise. That's a good idea. <laughs> it's not just that we're an extended spiritual family. It's that we're an extended spiritual family well, with Christ at the head of the table. He's, right. he is the center it's of our identity. It's always connected. Yeah. And, and Matt, you just mentioned wow. their ecclesia. And, and I mean, that, that's one there that's really stood out to us as far as what is the function of the church. Right. Yeah. But even when you say, you know, what is the church? What's its identity? Even in that passage in Matthew 16, you say, you know, Jesus says, built upon the revelation that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, he's the anointed on. one, I will build my, my ecclesia. Yes. And so it, it's... It, it really does make that connection to going, of course, Jesus is the builder of the church. And we can say that so flippantly wow. sometimes, but until we actually continue to come around that, that element of the, 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 the anointed one is the center of the church and he's the center of the throne room and he's the center of our lives, you know, then, then we, we, we you know, we're always going to probably jack up what the function is after that, if we don't get that one right. So. Right, because then you have the rest of that verse is, and then upon that revelation of him, in his name, we are sent out to rule and reign. Yeah. Yes. As the authoritative body of Christ on the earth. Wow. Mm. wow. That's so good. I, yeah, I, I've always struggled growing up in the American church, that really only being the, con the only context that I've been swimming in. I mean, I've visited other contexts, but that's the that's the water I've swam in my whole life, and, and it's often defined in terms of activity and structure. You know what is the church, and um, you know going back to the Revelation two, where Jesus is like, "Hey, you're doing all these things really good. Like you're patiently suffering, and you're not quitting, and, and there's actually miracles going on." And then he's like, "But I but I have this against yeah. you." It's like, 
you've forgotten your first love. And, and, And it's not just that you've forgotten your love for me. It's that you don't love each other as you did at first. Yeah. And so when I think about, um, you know, who is Jesus, the essence of love, that he's patient and kind and doesn't keep a record of wrongs and rejoices with the truth. And it's not jealous or proud that that's, that's the kind of people Mm. we're called to be as the church. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and, and that reminds me, Matt, that, you know, what is it? It's like he'll, he'll blow out our candle or right. And then the revelation passages to the churches, it's like essentially saying you will lose your influence, which is the outcome of the being. And so, I mean, again, it it, it is very simplistic, but I think, you know, Tana and I, we were just talking with some church leaders just about a month ago and, 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 and walking through all of this again. And it really seems to be a season to make sure to look at our foundation and make sure our plumb line is still the chief cornerstone and that everything else is being set up against that. Mm-hmm. Because if, if not, we're, we're, you know, just like the church in Ephesus, they experienced revival like crazy, mm-hmm. but then they are no more. Wow. They lost their influence um, because they forgot their first love. Yep. Wow. So, well, yeah, I, um, this year I'm, I'm walking very slowly through the Renovare Bible. Have you ever seen that? Um, used to be called the Spiritual Formation Bible. Now it's called the Life with God okay. Bible. Um, and it's essentially a commentary from guys like Eugene Peterson, you know, who wrote The Message or uh, Richard Foster, Dallas Willard, yeah. Walter Brueggemann, all those guys kind of contributed to, to the work of it. And, and the reason they did that was they wanted to see the story of Scripture through the withness with God, the communing with God, the love of God, that everything from creation to new creation being seen as this movement towards an all-inclusive community with God as the primary sustainer and the most glorious inhabitant of that community. Yes. And, um, yeah, I, I was at a spiritual formation conference last week and there was a whole session on the dangers of focusing on self-help, um, you know, the dangers of focusing on spiritual formation for our own sake, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then basically losing the, uh, losing the goal in, in losing the, the withness, the communing that if with God participating in his love, uh, becomes second place and growing into Christ likeness becomes first place, we're out of order because we only grow into Christ likeness as we participate in his love. That is the way in which we grow. Yes. <laughs> and so, um, anyways. Oh, a little Mandalorian reference. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Sorry. that that's good. You know, what is the church? And so you, you briefly mentioned this, but Tana, you start, when you think about the vocation of the church, the calling, you know, what not just what we are, but what we're to do. Um when you look at scripture or what metaphors come to mind in your head or even stories, what, when have you experienced that in your lifetime of, oh, yes, that is what the church is called to do. That, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so much, so much. That's yeah. a good question. So, hmm. Called to do. Okay, so what are we called to do? 
Yeah, so after assuming we get the first commandment done right of calling to be, like, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, yeah. and then moving on to what we're called to do from that place. Yeah. Um, I think, it, like, you know, I mean, we really have been pressing into Ecclesia for a few years, for sure. Um, like, there's definitely all the different words, you know, in the Greek and all that about the church, but... Um, and the Acts 2 type of church and all the meeting together and breaking bread together and being vulnerable with each other and there's no need and all that stuff. But then from the communal place of church, what do we do outwardly? And I just, um, you know, the whole, that ecclesia thing, you know, Jesus used a term that was familiar to people outside of the church. Right. So that's that being sent into those different places to look like and to kind of take over. <laughs> You know, uh, to we're gonna send you in, infiltrate you, so you look just like the government that I want to establish, and then all of a sudden the whole community is transformed. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, so uh, you know, we see it as you hang out with Jesus enough, then you hang out with other people that love Jesus. Mm -hmm. You get together, you do that together, and then you're sent out to your own spheres of influence, and you're carrying the DNA of Jesus, and it starts impacting where you work. It doesn't matter if you're in the church or outside of the church or whatever in terms of occupation. Um, but then you just become Jesus incarnate everywhere you are. And then you're giving witness and testimony to him without even having to use the churchy witness and testimony words. Because yeah. it's just naturally overflow. But it actually does then. You start bringing in the ideas of Holy Spirit. You start bringing in the creativity and the dreams that he gives you. And the his heartbeat that he's given you when you're with him. And then you start implementing that when you're serving at your kid's school or uh, when you're going to your neighbor who's been sick and you're just meeting with them and talking to them. It's really real life, easy stuff, but it's taking Jesus into the, I mean, it's what we do every day. It's wherever we go and whatever our metron and our sphere is, we just actually become Jesus in those places, Yeah. which is then enculturating those places wow. so that his kingdom then, which is bigger than church, starts expanding because his kingdom's always expanding. So. You're making me... Uh, I wish I could get more specific. That is so good. No, that, I love that. You're making me think of this. Um, have you ever heard of the the canons of Hippolytus? It's like a early, it's early Christian writings from like 330, 340. He was a, he was a church leader, like right as Christianity was coming into uh, being okay. In the Roman government, right in 313, yeah. the Roman emperor is like, hey, it's cool. We're not going to kill you anymore. You can be a Christian now. Right. And and this guy writes uh, a bunch of letters. And I'm going I'm to read this quote. So this is from like 336 AD. This is from the canons of his name's Hippolytus. He says, the goal is that the church may shine with virtue, not just before each other, but also before the Gentiles, so they may imitate them and become Christians. Our beauty of life encourages strangers to join our ranks. We do not preach great things. We live them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Sounds like he knew what he was saying. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee uh, that was such a turning point in the, in the early church when you know, you went from house churches, essentially, that that all yeah. the pastors in these homes were bivocational, right? I mean, most of them were, yeah. except for like the apostles like Paul, but even he had to work at times to support himself. Yeah. So you went from that to now a popularized version of that, and there's going to be these massive Christian cathedrals built 
and people are, you go from poor to rich, from hidden to seen, Mm -hmm. from martyrdom to popularity. And here's a guy who's just saying like, hey, let's make sure in the midst of this, you know, a leader of the church saying, let's make sure that as we continue to go into culture, like you just said, um, that we're keeping, that we may look a little bit like the people around us. We may be in the world, as Jesus said, but we're not of it. We will be, one of my favorite terms, the early, you know, at first Peter, the idea of resident aliens. Yes, this is our residence and yes. we work for the peace of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are, yeah. this is, we're not completely at home yet. We're still aliens. We're still, we're foreigners as Christ was in this place. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, man. It's good. <laughs> all right. Can I say all your things? No, you're good. Mr. Molesky, yeah. what do you think? Yes. No, you know, it just reminds me, uh, Matt, it just, it's it's the it's the leaven it's the it's 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 the yeast it's that it's just that whole kingdom language um that jesus i think was really trying to to work in not kingdom language sorry the just it it's the 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 tools of the kingdom and and how the church and the people of god were supposed to operate and it's through things like influence, but even, and, and I wouldn't even say the things that are influential in the sense of the world, though I think we're supposed to be a part of those. And, and I think you can see that one of the greatest disconnections in the church in modern history has been that it has lost its influence because it's, it's huddled itself in and it's forgotten what the church itself, as you know, Tana and, and everybody's been saying about what the ecclesia mm. actually is. It's supposed to be a governing legislative ruling body you know just like in rome like they would set up ecclesias in these newly conquered territories and it was a government assembly and so then you'd have apostles who would come in uh, that had an authority to come from rome and then gather people around it and they would say how do we make this place look like rome and that's what jesus wants to do like you know some people are afraid to say that like jesus wants to take over the whole world and he's not he, you know, we shouldn't be uh, like, I think dominism is the word. Yeah. Like Christians shouldn't be dom. And it's like, mm, no, I think actually, actually since the beginning of time, God's whole role and calling to people was, hey, let's rule and subdue the earth together mm. and make what's not yet look like paradise, look like paradise. And, and when Jesus said, you know, hey, you want to know how to pray? Pray, God, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. And when, you know, God says to uh, the Israelites, hey, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a light and shine and a blessing to the nations to show them what God in the midst of people, the church actually looks like. Like this is God's intent. And so we don't do it the way the world does it. But but we're supposed to be legislating spiritually what heaven looks like on earth in, like Tana mentioned, in every facet of society. And so as we work that leaven into the the threads of technology, media, the church, uh, government, uh, education, business, arts and entertainment, as as those places get filled with Christians who, who are one with God, that's that place, that one with Jesus walking in the cool of the day with him, then they're going to start letting heaven's agenda flow through them. And that's what I think it means to be the church. Bro. And there's a, uh, and, and yeah, there's a network of churches here in the Valley that's called redemption. Uh, Redem- and they've, mm-hmm. I don't know how many campus they have, but they have this incredible um, 
I don't even know if it's a mission statement so much as just a, it's like their I don't, church slogan or I don't know, I don't know what to call yeah. it, but they say all the time, like when you walk into their campus, all over their campus, it says all of life is all for Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. when I think about the contrary way, because there is a contrast to the reign of the Roman empire and the reign of Jesus. And mm-hmm. I think about how I was making, uh, we had a conversation in our class because uh, I'm taking, um, doing a master's degree in missional theology, and we were walking through. Our professor was saying these are the differences that the early church shown that we're called to. And so, if I can just read these real quick, I thought this was very captivating in terms of yeah. the when that leaven gets worked through the bread, when the yeast grows. Um, he was naming those things. This is the contrary community, right? The alternative way of Jesus. Mm-hmm being worked out into society. And he said, if it's worked out, it will break down barriers between rich and poor. It will break down barriers between male and female, the people who are slaves and the people who are free, the people at that time who were Greek and barbarians, so different nations clashing, and it will create this sociological impossibility is what he said. It's impossible for these people to live together. And, um, yeah, yeah. And then he said, love and hospitality will be overflowing towards the marginalized, towards the poor, towards the orphans, towards widows, sick, Mm -hmm. the prisoners, the slaves, the travelers who have nothing to give you. Um, there will be unity Mm -hmm. against fragmentation. There'll be hope and joy, even though there might be great, great anxiety, uncertainty in culture. There'll be generosity with possessions and simple lifestyles amidst consumption and accumulation. Let me say that one again, because that's so un-American. Generosity with possessions and simple lifestyles amidst consumption and accumulation. And and I think the thing, you know, when you look back at how did they train disciples in the early church, how did how did they make disciples in the early church? There's great evidence for what's called a catechism or a way of training them up in the early church, and they would spend a significant time breaking down the narrative of the Roman government. They had to detoxify the story that was in their mind that the emperor was God and that they were going to win. They had to detox them from that false narrative and fill them with the truth of scripture, the true story of the world, that God is the creator and sustainer. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And and so they would replace that with the true story of scripture. And then they would start to teach them how to live differently. And and I think that we're very uncomfortable with this, at least in America. And I'm not sure how it is in Northern Ireland where you all are at, but we use words like, well, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to do behavior modification. We don't want, we don't want that. Or we don't, we don't just want to live moral lives. But when you look back, there was a training aspect to the way they made disciples that was saying, you're going to have to live differently because of your experience of God's love. There is a repentance and there's going to be some things you have to do about this. And I, I, I feel uncomfortable saying that because there is a moralism that is exterior looks good and interior is rotten. I, I get that. Like, I, I understand the whitewashed tombs, yeah. pharisaical thing, but I also think maybe we've swung the pendulum a little too far and said, no, we still have to teach people to live an alternative way of life in the kingdom of God. 
there's still things that are different yes. that should mark us as a contrary community amidst the people that we live with every day. There should be a distinctive difference. And so yes. I'm curious, uh, last question for both of you, you know, what do you hear the spirit calling us to be and do, um, and specifically you two, not us, but in your family, in your context in Northern Ireland, globally, right? So just think within the church that you work in, the ministry you work in, what are you hearing together as a couple? Man, I, we're hearing the Spirit say this, and we need to do something about it. Like, there's, a, there's, there's some action needed. What, what are some of the themes that you've been hearing lately from the Spirit? Like, what is he calling us to individually or what we feel like he's calling our group of believers here, our community here? Either one. To. I'm good with either one. Either, either one. one. Okay. Well, you know, no, okay. I'll just go ahead and jump in, Matt. They, I think, I think it's, it's, there's, I think it's the answers to both of those questions. Um, so, so like we are, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying right now that we are, um, really in the body of Christ um, on a macro scale. I mean, everybody's going to have a little bit different thing locally, wherever they are. But, but I would say this is for us locally is that we are in a, we are in a, a transitory season. And mm -hmm. so like we are in a season of, of, of going from maybe something the way life used to be to something that God is bringing us into. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so what I mean by that is this part of that is, I think God is bringing things to the surface right now um, that um, a lot of people are, are having to deal with. That's number one. And I'll talk about that mm -hmm. real quick. And then the number two is I really believe that we are in the midst of a movement forward again, this transitory season, but it's, it's um, you know, I told Tana just about a month ago, we both kind of looked at each other and said, man, something just shifted. Like we are in a season now, I, I believe in our church locally and, and in ourselves where we're moving from, um, you know, or you talk about spiritual warfare sometimes, and oftentimes that's in the context of being like, oh man, the enemy's barraging me right now. I feel like I'm getting beat up by the enemy. And so we, most of our conversation is on the defensive. Mm. However, if you relate it to like a transitory season, like the, the Israelites crossing over the Jordan into the promised land, it was actually a movement into war. Mm. And it was a transition into a spiritual offensive. And so we've just even been talking with our people for the last week or so about, you know, how many people feel like they are kind of a little off center. Something's going on on and you don't know how to do, deal with it or you don't have language for it or are you uneasy. And we started to give, I think the Holy Spirit's starting to give us some language that what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to move us out of the wilderness into a promise. But that promise comes with a fight. Mm. And, and, and so wow. I know I'm kind of, kind of talking big language here, but so here's an example for me personally, yeah. like there has been some things like even over the last six months, uh, you know, you and I've talked about anxiety and things like that before, yeah. but I, I've never really experienced it, but I had really, I was, anxiety has just really sprung up in my life and it was connected to some old cycles and some old things in my life that I really felt like the Lord had dealt with. And I was, I was having a conversation with a friend and he, he mentioned that he goes, man, maybe, maybe what, what, um, he was consoling me and, and saying he was kind of dealing with some of the same things. He goes, maybe we just need a good prayer ministry deliverance session. Mm. 
And he started laughing and I was kind of like, ooh. And immediately in that moment, I felt the Lord go, that's, that's what you need. And so I got together with some friends and they pray and like we dealt, you know, it's a very real thing. And maybe, I don't know if your, if your audience would, would deal with those kinds of things, but it's like, but what, it wasn't this like defensive thing. The Lord was bringing things to the surface in my life so that we could scrape it off of the surface just because he's refining us in his fire. And so that I can be prepared to fight and to move forward Mm. personally and, 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 and break through and pass over into some of the things that he has for me in his yeah. life. And, and so, but as we talk to people in our church, and as I look around the world, of course, over the last two years, the church, things have risen up that we've had to deal with as the church. We've had to deal with a lot of things, and we're still dealing with them, and that's okay. Yeah. But the reason the Lord's doing that is because he wants to deal with figurative or very real demons in our lives. Mm. He wants to deal with past traumas. He wants to deal with cyclical sin issues. Here's that moralistic conversation so that we can actually spring forward into a season of spiritual warfare and take the territory and the promise. And if you will, in the midst of this conversation, so we can start putting that leaven back into society so that we can arise and shine and show the world the glory of God. Wow, dude. So I, that's what the Holy Spirit's saying to me. Yeah, can we so, can we camp uh, on that just for a second? I don't I don't want to um you know go into every detail, but for for people listening who are like, "Wow, yeah, that sounds like something I need." What did that look like when you gathered a couple of your friends? Like walk us walk us through that. Help our imagination with what what did you do? How did you do that? <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so um I say a couple of friends. It was I, so I was talking with a couple of friends about it, but really what I did is got with one, one friend of mine, yeah. and um, and and God had yeah, and and God had just been had had done a lot of deliverance in His own life, and He's a pastor of a church, and um, been pastoring a church on the south side of Indy. Awesome guy, doing amazing things mm-hmm. in the kingdom and all that, and and yet the Lord just said, "Boom, here's a season I have you in," and He started sharing some of those stories with me, and I was like, "Wow." You know, and we're the deliverance and that idea of like dealing with the, the demonic that that wants to have a foothold in your life or that's trying to oppress you. That's not unfamiliar to us. We've dealt with that in the past and we've 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 been a part of that ministry with other people before. But, um, you know, we just sat down and we prayed. And, you know, Jesus said, you know, it's it's one of the ways the the he taught his disciples on how to advance the Come kingdom. On. One of the primary ways is to, to cast out yes. devils. We, we, it's, it's, it's not talked about enough, no. but it was preach the gospel, cast out devils and heal the sick. Mm-hmm. Those were the three practicals he gave the church and how to advance the kingdom of God and how to make it look like more of the kingdom. <laughs> we got to deal and rush against the gates of, of hell. So all that to say, I'm sorry. What do you apologize all that to say? Don't so apologize. What that look like, bro, we, <laughs> <laughs> so we just prayed and like, we asked, we asked, we asked Holy spirit just to go, uh... Hey, what do you want to deal? What's Aaron dealing with? And just bring it to the surface, Jesus. bring it to the surface. That's, those were the prayers that we prayed. And immediately, like, I don't mind sharing this, Matt, like, as soon as we got into the presence of the Lord, as soon as he started praying, my, my buddy, immediately a thought went through my head and it was this, shame, 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 shame's my mm. name. Okay, that just came out of nowhere. And so I stopped immediately and I go, hey, you know, Adam is his name. I said, Adam, I said, this just went through my head. And he practically, he just wrote it down. And he goes, okay, we'll deal with mm. that in a second. But what that was, was Holy Spirit was just bringing up 
this right. this spirit of shame or this this the, I was dealing with a sense of shame that the, that the Lord wanted to deal with and and so I can move forward in my wow, life. Wow, dude. And so we prayed about it. We prayed through it. We 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 prayed off the the spirit of shame and 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 some other things that I wasn't aware of. Ready yeah, for. dude. And so the God then that's how yes. good God is good. And so, you know, and and honestly, honestly, it, like there's been a, a significant shift in my life since that moment. Yeah. So, I don't know if you want some more details. I don't mind going no, that's into perfect. more. But that's just what it looked like. It's just getting together with people that yeah. love you. And praying and going, oh, let's deal with this because this is what Jesus died to do is to destroy the world. Yeah, dude. No, you're you're making me think of uh, when I was discerning the call out out, and I didn't even know what we were leaving. Um, you know, Eastview Christian Church in Illinois. When I left there to come to Arizona, I, I knew that in my time with God, He was inviting me to let go of my job, and then when I let go of it, He would reveal what was next, and I didn't want to let go. And I remember going to a buddy's house and exactly what you just said, getting together with a few friends and we prayed all night. I didn't even tell anybody there except for my friend who was leading the prayer time. Um, hey, I'm really wrestling with this and I don't want to, I don't want to leave this church. I I'm actually really happy here. We just bought a house across the street that year. And this seems illogical. And uh, we prayed for four or five hours together. We sang songs, we read the Psalms, we read gospel, you know, like we, and we laid hands on one another into the night. Some lady who I didn't know came next to me and she sat next to me. She started chuckling and she goes, Matt, is your name? Is your name Matt? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, uh, you don't want to know what I have to say to you. <laughs> I was like, and I start laughing. I'm like, no, I do. Come on. She says, no, you don't. And I was like, no, I do. Tell me. And she said, well, the Lord's been inviting you to leave your job for a while. And I'm just wondering why you don't trust him. Dude. Amazing. And, yes. and here's the deal. Yes. Um, That's it. I, I say that story just because, I mean, there was a season where I was honestly being disobedient and I wasn't, I, I was hearing mm. the call, a very specific thing. And I was afraid um, to leave. Yeah. And, and, um, and I heard this story that uh, you remember, you know, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, this amazing, extravagant mm. courtyard, right? There's, a, there's an old story that when it was first built, the Pope, whoever the Pope was at that time, was walking around with a monk. And he was referencing that story in Acts 3, you know, where Peter and John go to the temple and and they uh, they see a lame man yes. who can't walk and he's asking for money. And Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. And in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Right? And then right then, Peter picks up his hand. And so the Pope is telling this monk when St. Peter's was built, he says, well, I guess we can't say we don't have any silver or gold anymore like Peter. And the monk's response was, mm. yeah, and I guess we can't say anymore, get up and walk. Wow. Wow. And in our, in our country, in America, is one of the most individualistic, like humanistic, and by that I mean humans are moving society towards their desired end. We are the savior. Yes. of the world. We don't need a savior. Yes. Um, we mm -hmm. often don't pray like that. I, I just say that to say, dude, thank you for sharing that because I, I need to hear that. I yeah. need to be reminded of there's a dependence on the miraculous and the supernatural. There's a dependence on the Holy Spirit that oftentimes rich people mm -hmm. don't enter into because we're just not that desperate. And I think it speaks to Jesus's mm -hmm. words of blessed mm -hmm. are the poor 
for theirs is the kingdom of God. And it sounds like you came to a place of, no, there's a poverty in me that I can't solve and I need the spirit to, to rescue me and deliver me from that. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, if, if we were to talk longer, I mean, Tana would sit here, we were having conversations after conversations and then she's basically like, you know, well, I heard, I heard one pastor say recently he was, he was kept waking up in the middle of the night, like with like trauma and anxiety and his wife just turned over to him and just said, you know, I can't wait until the Lord heals you of this so I can get some mm. sleep. You know, and I think Tana was probably in the same spot, like, you know, but she was amazing. She was absolutely amazing, you know, in the, in the whole process yeah. uh, with me in that. I don't say, I just say it because it was funny, but, but I think it was to that point And I was just like, I, 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 God, I know you love me enough yeah. and you have answers here. So whatever it is. And so. That's, that's good. That's man. it. Like that. That's the thing is the Lord, the Lord has the answers for yeah. us and he, cause he loves us so much. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Um, Tiana, we're at uh, 40 minutes. So this is one of our longer episodes okay. we've done and I'm so glad it was with y'all. I think we could go another two hours, but Thank yes, you. we probably could. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. <laughs> so tell us uh, from your perspective, you know, as Aaron was talking, what, what are you discerning the spirit saying? You know, to either you personally or your community to live into in this season. Yeah. Yeah. So many things. Um, so many things. Um, yes, definitely we're in the season of warfare, but it's the Lord training our hands for battle, wow. not, um, not because we're being attacked, if that yeah. makes sense. But it's all unto something. And I'm going to try. I'm going to try to keep some paradigm, like boundaries here because I could just go and just go places and take off. Um, judges, I forget what it is, Judges 3 maybe, but there are enemies the Lord left in the land because we've never been trained to fight yet. So there were purpose, I think it's Judges 3. If it's not yes. Judges 3, it's around there. But where they were taking over the land, but they were purposely left because they'd never had that next generation. That next generation had never experienced wow. warfare. So they were left there to train them. So there's a reason for it because it's all big picture under mm. harvest, kingdom harvest. That's where everything's going. Yeah. Okay. And we as the church are the workers. We're the ones that are supposed to be bringing it in. Jesus can do it with us the way we are. And at the risk of don't go super introspective, self-reflective, all that stuff that we kind of nodded toward yeah. yet in the same season, there is... Or in the same sense, there is a seasonal thing where the Lord is like, I need to train you for hmm. more so that you can actually be able to fight. Yeah. And then I actually listened to a sermon yesterday where the guy was talking about the reason um, the Lord does that and allows you to go through battles and fights, because people always question the goodness of God in that, is because you get to take the spoils of the enemy. Yes. And so you won't know how to take the spoils of the enemy until you fight. So it's all unto something because the spoils then is getting all his kids mm. back. So he gets this big harvest of souls and he gets all the people that he died for because that's his wow. goal. So all of that is we are called to this season of being trained for war, which is like, you mm. know, I think we have really good intentions of we need to be the church and go out and do the stuff. But if we're the ones that are walking around wounded because we haven't, we were, we're getting beat up and we've not even learned to fight yet. Wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think the Lord is kind of like, Hey, I actually, along with that, I'm coming back for a pure spotless bride. And before you go and get more of them, let's talk about you in the pure and spotless part. And let me train you 
in these things. Wow. And so I think he's teaching us to become overcomers. Mm. As he's re- for me, he's really uh, talking about the whole idea of it is finished um, and the freedom that comes with it is finished because wow. all responsibility of complete dominion rests on his shoulders. And I think mm. at least from a American standpoint of church, which we just see a little more contrast now that we're outside of that context. We see how we were raised. Like we got to go do some more stuff, you know? And Jesus is like, well, I made, that was my plan for you to do stuff. So that's a good idea. But (laughs) I want to talk about how you're going to do stuff and let's do it from the place of it is finished because I've already done it. So when you adopt this whole rest in my victory, rest in what I've accomplished on the cross. And then you apply that. And you go in with it is finished and it's already done, and you partner with that. Um, it just such a it different posture, a totally different perspective. And then there's, yeah, and there's so much more freedom, and you're like, yes. oh, I can wow. do this because he's already done yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Does that make it sense? It does. So there's, I know it's like, amen, lots sister. Of Come on. Things. Uh, that's why I said that's so I'm good. Trying, I'm so trying to break good. it down. <laughs> there's so much. I, uh, and then I think um, the other one is uh, yeah. worshiping through that and praising through that and worshiping through yeah. that um, because in terms of the tribes of Judah and whenever, or the tribes and whenever they're taking over land, Judah always goes first. And that's the tribe that praises. And wow. so there's always the praise and worshipers that hold a sword as well, that go forth first because you go in the name of the Lord, carrying the banner of the Lord saying this territory belongs to yes. the Lord. And then watch us come back and kick your butts. And so it's going to be, it's all of that. It's worship is a huge strategy. Wow. Yes. Uh, it does all kinds of different things in centering us back to that it is finished back to the jesus portion of it it equips us it actually fuels us it becomes our weapon we go Mm. out amen so but lots of that so good lots of that stuff (laughs) wow yeah i uh i i'm always fascinated with irish history and especially with saint patrick because he seemed to know how to do that um battle from a place mm. of freedom this is a guy who was you know rescued out of the country and chose to come back yes um, to do battle in the spiritual yeah. realm and and there was revival right. and um yeah yeah it always strikes me that i i think that he was so uh, joyful and worshipful and wielded his sword well because he learned to suffer well as christ did and as it says in hebrews he learned mm. uh, obedience like he learned, he learned how to suffer and, yeah. and have joy in that. And so I would yeah. love to close out our time with just a short version of the, the St. Patrick prayer, the shield prayer. Yeah. Can we do that and just pray this over ourselves and absolutely and over uh, the people yeah. listening? So let's pray. God, we arise today through your strength to pilot us your might to uphold us. God, it's your wisdom that guides us. Mm. God, it's your ear to hear me and hear us. God, it's, it's your word that speaks for us. It's your hand, your hand yeah. that guards us. And it's your way that lies before us. And so may your shield protect us afar and anear, alone or in a multitude. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you too, Matt. Thank you so much. Love you all.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm Podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.